given the context of climate change and global warming, the chances that our coast get continuously hit by storm are considerably increasing. Our beach is not in a good shape. I'm Dr. Lamont Repolette, the president of Kane, New Jersey's Urban Research University. This is Urban Impact, a podcast where we examine the complex issues facing urban communities through meaningful conversations with scholars, community leaders, and others who are driving change. Recorded and produced on our campus in Union, New Jersey, this is Urban Impact. Here are your hosts, Michael Salvatore and Barbara George Johnson. Hello and welcome back to Urban Impact. I'm Mike Salvatore, the Senior Vice President of Administration here at Kane University, New Jersey's Urban Research University. Here in New Jersey, we have roughly 130 miles of shoreline from the busiest ports of New Jersey all the way down to the shore in Cape May. One of the most impacted areas of climate change are our beaches and the communities around them. To dive deeper into this topic, I'm happy to be joined today by Dr. June Chang. Dr. Jun Cheng holds a PhD in geology from the University of Southern Florida and is an assistant professor in the Department of Environmental and Sustainability Services in the Dorothy and George Hennings College of Science, Mathematics, and Technology. That's a mouthful here at Kane University. Uh, Dr. Cheng and his colleagues are part of the new Kane Coastal Team, and they are studying and proposing solutions. Uh, to challenges stemming from climate change and other environmental pressures. This is a collaborative team here at Kane University involving faculty and students, which is awesome. Dr. Chang, welcome, and how are you doing today? Thank you, I'm doing good. Thanks very much for inviting me for this uh, podcast. Your research interests are with our coastline, specifically coastal environments, geology and management, Uh, You've also studied the changes to our beaches uh, brought about by hurricanes and storms. At your study sites, um, if you're thinking about that, uh, because I I know you've been everywhere from Elizabeth all the way down to uh, the southern tip of uh, New Jersey. um, What are the biggest challenges uh, brought on by climate change that you see on our beaches? And I am particularly interested in this because I live blocks from the beach and, and quite often you can find me in the water all times of year. So uh, tell me what the impact is. Yeah, I study beach and I, I consider myself very lucky because beach is such a wonderful place to uh, hang around. And uh, basically I get paid to do what I'm doing. I'm very lucky to do that. And uh, residents in New Jersey may take granted for the beach accent beach we have. They think we just have beach there. Actually, for our uh, uh, Atlantic City boardwalk, it attracts like millions, tens of millions of dollars of of income for the state. It's a very important place. People may think the beach come and go. It's very natural. But we actually need to study it, especially under the condition of sea level rise and climate change. Uh, Regarding my study on the beach, I'm focusing on study how the sand move on the beach induced by the waves, by tides. On top of that, we have like a sea level rise and storms, right? We get hit by hurricanes and the northeasters all the time, all year round. And uh, the beach is a very dynamic place. 
if if I'm study uh, earthquake or volcano, I may not be able to run into any real one in my lifetime. But you won't miss the beach changes if you go to the beach. And uh, how they change? Uh, the particle sand. If you go to the beach, you will find the what optical motion of of the water, like they have the, the trough of the wave and the, the trough of the, the crest and the trough. When the crest coming, the sand move onshore, right? When the trough coming, the sand move offshore. Actually, we never get balanced, never balanced, especially under the storm condition. Given the condition of climate change, we have more and more severe storm coming to our area. Given the example of this year, we although it's not direct hit, we have a inference from Hurricane Lee early September. Two weeks later, we run into Hurricane Ophelia. Maybe a lot of people still remember we have excessive rain, right? That's actually dumped by Hurricane Ophelia. When the storm comes to our area, our beach won't get balanced. Won't the beach sand will, will lose. So our beach is still suffering from the uh, Hurricane Sandy that was hit us about 11 years ago. The, the sand just never be able to come back naturally. It is taken out of the system because the way the wave is breaking and the undertow, the, the trough is taking the sand way deep in the water. Natural process won't be able to get it back. That's one of the things we are suffering. So our beach is, as, we, as, as, uh, as I claim, is sediment starved, which is uh, just like your bank account. You, you are getting, <laughs> You're, you're getting less, then you're, you're paying more. So over the years, like a, I'm talking about geology time, like a, a tens of thousands of years, we are losing, we keep losing sand through this natural process. So, so something yeah. I've noticed, so yeah. uh, living so close to the, the uh, coastline, I've, I've, there's this, um, a cycle of beach replenishment that occurs. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it, it completely changes uh, the structure of the beach, even the, the grittiness of the sand. Yeah changes. Yeah. Uh, and I've also watched uh, this happen. I think it's the Army Corps of Engineers that comes in and pumps it in. I've watched it get replenished in several areas. Yeah. Uh, and then now you have this wide beach. Uh, and then I've watched it do exactly as you described. Yeah. I've watched a storm come in and pull it all away. Yeah. So to me, that does remind me of my tax dollars, right? Yep. It reminds me that, wow, uh, this this really expensive mm. process uh, of moving sand mm. to replenish beaches actually is only temporary. How, how do we make that a more permanent solution? Or is that even possible? Yeah. Uh, the beach nourishment, <laughs> we have a... We, we are conducting a lot more and more of this kind of uh, procedure now. Uh, back in the old days, we are more restricted to what we call hard structure. That's our New Jersey is situated in like a heavily urbanized area. We have a, a lot of this kind of hard structure, like uh, sea walls, like, uh, like jetties and groins. And uh, then people figured out, uh, this is all this uh, uh, structure we use to conquer the climate change. We, we believe it works. And uh, towards the end, we find, oh, these things actually have negative impact to surrounding areas. That's actually add to the complication for our coastlines. So then people figure out we should use what we call soft engineering. That's actually beach nourishment is one of them. It's very, very common. And it is actually started here 
our entire country started as a beach, the first beach nourishment in New York, New Jersey area. Then we found it's very successful. It's propagated towards the other states, in, towards Florida. So uh, the beach nourishment is a solution. Is a solution for, but uh, it's also temporary. So mm -hmm. just like uh, uh, your, you do regularly your car maintenance, you change your 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 oil, right? So it's not like a one-time deal. Uh, over 3,000 3, miles, you have to change it again. For example, the beach nourishment is the same thing. So when we pump the beach, the Army Corps have a lot of these projects on our New Jersey states. They pump the beach somewhere in the channel. Usually the channel, we have like a, a very busy port, New York, New Jersey port. We need to maintain the channel, right? And uh, where do we dump the sand, right? So back in the old days, we just dumped the sand far offshore. So we don't want the sand come back because Army Corps want to keep the channel deep, as deep as possible and don't want the sand come back. Then we figure out, oh, we're losing sand <laughs> because we keep the sand out of the system. Later on, we figured out we should beneficially using the dredging. That's actually we are using. We're using dredged sand from big channel, from the harbor, then dump the sand on the beach. This actually killed two birds at one stone, right? We, number one, we help to maintain the channel. Number two, we also temporarily fix the beach. So it's not like a one-time deal, we fixed it forever, but it's, it is working. <laughs> Overall, it's working, yeah. That, that's yeah. great. Yeah. There was a concept floated years ago about yeah. these yeah. Um, artificial reefs yeah. Yeah. that you would put out there. Yeah. What is your take on that? Yeah, let's also go to the living shoreline. Actually, our department, my department chair, uh, Daniela Shepitz, is uh, an expert in the ecology. Uh, in addition to the artificial reef, we also, also try to plant uh, like a veggies on the dune. That's actually the lesson we learned from Hurricane Sandy. We found that uh, wherever we have high and taller dune, the, the property behind it gets protected better. Right, so that's a lesson we learned from Hurricane Sandy, and uh, afterwards, a lot of coastal towns, including uh, including your hometown, like uh, Audley Beach over there, and they they also they implement a lot of like uh, nourished dune. You can tell that's the nourished because uh, this is a uh, there has a there's a veggie that's planted very regularly. Nature don't go this way, so the so people uh, plant the veggie and they try to try to try to. Uh, in, increase, uh, enhance the dune growth, and uh, also that's in, add to the beach nourishment. There, yeah. There's a professor uh, out of Florida who uh, he has this slogan called um, "Plants, not pipes." When talking about storm surge, and um, his idea is that we invest in this green infrastructure instead of spending lots of money on infrastructure for putting. Uh, drains in place, uh, and his thing is, uh, hey, listen, plants are awesome because they act as a pipe, and they actually are way better because they actually can filter. Uh, well, yes. What is your take on that? Because the idea would be you invest in a green infrastructure, which is great for a community, doesn't cost a tremendous amount of money, uh, but um, it, it's really effective in terms of low-lying areas, and particularly with, with coastal flooding. Yeah, regarding the coastal flooding, <laughs> our New Jersey state is running a lot of this kind of issue. And uh, that's in the background of climate change too. So our 
uh, area, the sea level is uh, rising at the speed of like uh, every five years, our sea level here is rising about one inch. So back to like uh, uh, 1960s until now, about 60 years, our sea level rise about one foot. And a uh, uh, study also showed that um, our sea level rising is not a constant, it's actually accelerating. Yeah. And uh, our New Jersey is uh, also extracting tremendous amount of groundwater because we have a lot of people near need, need water. Yeah. Our land actually is sinking. So on top of the global sea level rise, we, our ground is sinking. So we are suffering a lot of like a sea level rise, accelerated sea level rise. So cause a lot of flooding. And uh, uh, the living shoreline is a great, is a great mechanism to counter this. Because if we use a gray structure, what I call gray structure is like a, like a jetty is growing. This thing is not growing, right? It just stays there. But a living shoreline is a living plant actually can naturally um, balance back to the sea level rise, can, can, can be a natural buffer and also uh, provide some, some, some beautiful scenery and add a lot of value to our area. This is a, a relatively new new thing. And uh, so, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we went through the uh, process of, of relying totally on gray structure, like seawalls and jetties. Then we figured, oh, we should combine. We should combine this, uh, these, these green structures into these existing old structures that help to conquer our sea level rise and the climate change. I also read that uh, a billion people by 2050, according to the United Nations, the subcommittee on coastal resilience, a billion people will be impacted by um, by the rise of the sea level by 2050 yeah. because of who lives on coastal communities throughout the world. Yeah. And I think about here, uh, most densely populated areas are probably the highest risk. Uh, you did some work here in Elizabeth, uh, very densely populated area. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that work? Yeah, actually, my study area is widely spread. <laughs> Our New Jersey is a very wonderful place, has a tremendous amount of diversity in the coastal setting. We not only just have an oceanfront beach, we also have a base, like a Relaton Base, Sandy Hook Bay, also have an estuary, like the one we have in Elizabeth. Elizabeth is actually a estuary, and it's also a harbor. It's a very, very densely, uh, is locating a very densely populated area. It's actually pretty close to our King Campus. It's just uh, about 20 minutes drive. And uh, given the fact we have a lot of industry here, the water there is heavily polluted, also was heavily polluted. And uh, people find, oh, wetland is a great way to filter out the pollution. So, that, so that's why uh, Jones, uh, uh, Jones Cove in Elizabeth established some wetland over there to count this pollution, which is a great idea. And uh, the problem with that is, if you look at the, uh, the location, huh, the Jones Cove in Elizabeth is very close to uh, uh, Newark Airport, a big, gigantic uh, port over there. It's a uh, Newark port, the seaport. It's a, I, I looked it up, it's like a rank number one, or number, number one in the East Coast in terms of tonnage. And uh, given that fact, our, <laughs> that's a human side, a human side. So we are very demanding, we're, we're traveling, we, we, we have a lot of cargo ship, getting, it's getting bigger and bigger. We need a lot of 
uh, goods and foods all year uh, all over the world. So our our boat is getting bigger and bigger. What happened to that? We need a big channel, right? Then it happened is uh, the the channel is very busy, right? So a tremendous amount of cargo ship getting in and out. If you're standing there, you will find big wave actually generated by this cargo ship all day long. And this way superimposed on the elevated water, right? We have sea level rise. Then they're eating up the wetland. So actually this is a project I'm doing with my uh, department chair, Dr. Diana Shepitz. And as I mentioned, she's an expert on ecology. We're working together to see how this uh, wave impact, like, a, like a generated by these boats eating up the uh, the ecosystem, the 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 wetland. So we are working together. This is a, a project funded by a uh, New Jersey Sea Grant, and uh, I know there's a, other other things going on, but I have not haven't haven't get funding for that yet because uh, uh, this is a big channel. Yeah, because uh, I really want to study how we beneficially using the the harbor channel and how much can we dredge. When we dredge it, where can we put? So this is a lot of science. So I'm just uh, getting a small project started. Hopefully I can build up a, a big, big one down the road. Yeah. Wow, that, that's, uh, that's fascinating actually. Uh, I, I, when I was younger, I don't remember seeing cargo ships in the ocean on the horizon, but now I, I, I see it. And I don't know if it's just, I was ignorant to it, but it seems we are busier than ever in terms of import export. Uh, and now you, there's not a day you go by where I, I drive past the ocean every single day and I, I look at the horizon and you'll see a, a number of, of cargo ships just waiting to pull into port. Uh, it certainly has changed. The uh, What we're bringing into this country and what we're exporting is uh, certainly a larger volume than ever, I, I believe. You, uh, I'm going to take you down the coastline a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so you're talking about Elizabeth, but you're, uh, let's go to the Bayshore area. The Bayshore area is uh, kind of the wettest area of Monmouth County. Uh, you have uh, all the way from Aberdeen, Matawan, Aberdeen area, uh, straight down through uh, Sandy Hook area. And that's identified as the Bayshore. And you've done some work in Keyport, uh, specifically evaluating the impact of Superstorm Sandy on that coastline. Can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, uh, let me uh, correct this a little bit. When Hurricane Sandy came here, I was in Florida. So I didn't do any study related to the Hurricane Sandy in Keyport. But our entire uh, coastal group in uh, our department uh, actually studied a project in uh, Keyport. Uh, so when I, uh, every time when I go to uh, Keyport, do some field work, I run to uh, local residents, they always remind me, see, uh, when the Hurricane Sandy come to us, what happened? So their whole uh, seawall getting inundated, all their uh, house gets uh, ruined, so on and so forth. So this thing, Sandy, although it's like 11 years ago, so it's still in people's memory. And uh, regarding the study I did in, I have been doing in Keyport is uh, uh, I continue my beach study. <laughs> so what I do is I, I survey the beach. It's, it's, Keyport is a very small town. I covered a, a very dense survey line of, uh, using RTK GPS, try to survey from the dune all the way to the water edge. And I reoccupied re the same line over and over again. Every month I went there and uh, tried to accumulate data. So what's the point of doing this? 
And the people always say, which come and go, but why I'm doing this? So uh, one practical uh, usage of the data is that when a storm coming, for example, the recent storm Ophelia actually made some beach erosion in our coast, the Keyport Town can actually report how much sand they get lost, how 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 many footage, how many foot of, of, of beach shoreline they get lost. So with that data, instead of talking about uh, the beach was there, then it come to there. So it's we I provide more accurate data to support them to to seek for like a FEMA funding. So uh, when when in terms of federal funding, that you need a accurate data to back them up. So that's what I'm doing. So uh, in terms of science and um, keyboard is a uh, is a like what I say is a is a low energy coast because it's a sheltered right compared to our Atlantic coast. It's a low energy and but although the wave is relatively small, our beach is still eroded. It is still erosion happening there. So I need to figure out based on the collected data, I try to figure out the pattern where the beach get eroded more severely. Then try to figure out why it is. Why it is. This is uh, uh, the most uh, the most thing I'm doing and uh, because of the, yeah, back to the beach nourishment you mentioned earlier, huh? actually there's an ongoing beach nourishment project on the nearby town uh, called Union Beach. Union Beach has very aggressive uh, beach nourishment ongoing. And the uh, keyboard always uh, thinking maybe uh, there's some sand will, will, will coming down to the area causing some problems. So the, our beach data can help them to uh, find if that's the case, right? Over the big scale, um, because I really want to not just focus on one study area, I would like to see uh, how this adjacent town like uh, um, interact with each other. I, we, we would like to uh, get a like, collaborative relationship between the different towns by providing my uh, uh, technical support. Yeah, sort of speaking. So this is something I'm doing. And uh, in, in addition to that, our our team in the Department of Environmental and Sustainability. So um, uh, my colleague, Dr. Xu Ting Liu, is an expert in water quality. And what she's doing is she's uh, uh, trying to get uh, how the dissolved oxygen and, uh, and what is the nitrogen level in this area and try to figure out the, the water quality. And one interesting thing we are doing together, one example is, remember in the June this year, uh, we had very heavy uh, smoke that's coming from Canada, a wildfire, right? And our, yeah, we, we see a very polluted air. And this air, this polluted air will be drained down by the rain. And uh, all this goes to the drainage system then coming to the bay. And uh, our coast, our bay is actually, amplify all this impact. And this actually can be uh, respond in the water quality we collected in the, in the key pot. If for detail, you have to ask for Dr. Shooting Liu. And uh, I just know something about it. And also, and another thing I would like to address is uh, key pot. A lot of our town is, uh, is a little bit underrepresented. So we really need a, a, another dimension is a, a social justice. And actually we have a, an, an expert in that area uh, in, in my department, Dr. Gallia. And we worked together actually recently 
we just did a, a group uh, like a seminar with ANJEC Congress. Uh, three of us did a uh, did a, uh, a seminar with the with the group. I think it's very interesting. It's also recorded. If you're interested, you can uh, refer to that. That that sounds great. I, I will tell you. So that. that uh the Bayshore area is under-resourced tremendously. So when a team comes in and says, we're here to help you, we're here to evaluate, uh, that's probably uh, really welcomed with open arms because the reason why people are talking about Sandy 10 years, 11 years later is because it was probably the most devastating thing that happened in their lifetime there. And if somebody can come and be the answer or just provide some solution to give them uh, some relief in terms of their mindset that maybe, maybe this won't happen as bad the next time yeah. uh, when it occurs. So uh, those resources and our team down here at Kane yeah. in that yeah. area, I, I'm mm-hmm. sure are, are well received and certainly appreciated. Uh, but I want to walk you uh, walk through another project that you're working on too. Yeah, uh, your team is very busy, by the way, and <laughs> I, I do like that you. If uh, if you're not directly involved with the project, uh, we talked to Professor Shebitz as well, and she was very quick to say, "That's my team. That's people I work with, uh, and you're doing the same." So if you're not directly involved, you're very quick to make sure we know mm. that hey, this is your team that's involved in the work. So yeah. I, I certainly appreciate that. Uh, let's talk about. Um, I, down in Kane Ocean. So you're, so did I read this right? Are you teaching on the Union campus and on the Kane Ocean campus as well? Uh, I mostly teach at the Union campus. And uh, I almost uh, every semester I have a few students doing uh, independent study with me from Ocean. Okay, yeah. great, yeah. great. And uh, you were involved in some project on Island Beach State Park. Is that correct? Uh, that's actually our initial uh, first uh, like a field trip. I took students down there. And uh, later on, I suggested by um, uh, Ocean Dean, uh, Dr. Uh, Adam, <laughs> she recommend me go to a, a what do we call illusional hospital. But that's orderly beach. That's so uh, scientifically uh, more important. So we shift, uh, we moved uh, to orderly beach and did a few study over there since this spring. So what did you find uh, over there? So Ocean County, uh, now you're talking about a totally different body of water. We've moved from Elizabeth, you, then you talked to the, about the Raritan Bay. Now you're in the ocean. Yeah. So what, what are we talking, what are we finding in the ocean? Yeah, um, for the orderly beach, and since this spring, um, I took like four students with me uh, doing independent study. And at that time, I just got my equipment. So I, my job started here last year. So, so it's my initial um, project at, um, in the Ocean County. And uh, so as I mentioned, our New Jersey coast is uh, heavily structured, right? So some, a lot of like um, growings, jetties was building on the beach, although some of them are already buried. It is still effective. So my team this spring, what they are doing is uh, try to monitor how the beach changes respond to series of winter storms, right? We, I, we did it in the spring semester this year. And, uh, and we, what we found that although the, although the, uh, the jetty or groin is buried, it actually still cause some significant offset. What do I mean by offset? Because the growing is trying to uh, pounding some sand at one side, because our waves never like a perpendicular coming to the shore, always come to an angle, and this angle generates some currents, just like a river 
like uh, with a lot of sand running along the coast. If we have something sticking out like jetties and groins, this thing is pounding some sand on one side. So sand is not coming coming out of blue, right? That so you're getting sand, that means some area downdrift is losing sand. That's the consequence. We don't want that to happen. So. Uh, we, we would like to eliminate this. So my team uh, over this spring semester will try to monitor this, figure out how to eliminate this uh, downdrift, negative downdrift issue. And that's what we did this uh, spring. And uh, that's more in interesting uh, happened this fall. <clears throat> we know that we have uh, several hurricanes. And although it's not a direct impact, and, uh, and I was lucky to recruit another student with me in the fourth semester. He's still working with me as independent study. And, uh, and early, back to the early, uh, like sub early September, I watched the uh, uh, forecasting, see a uh, hurricane Lee is coming to our way. So I, I asked the student to come with me to do a, a pre-storm survey. Then uh, turns out that hurricane Lee did not directly hit us. It made landfall in, in the Bay of Maine, but still generated big waves and the surge and uh, caused somewhat damage to our coast, but not considerable. Two weeks later, two weeks later, our coast get hit very severely by the uh, tropical storm Ophelia. This is a much, much bigger uh, like a damage. So everybody uh, here still maybe remember the excessive rain we had. That's actually caused by the Ophelia. And uh, since we have get hit by so many storms, uh, within this short period of time, we just keep serving it. We went there every, almost every week to do a very tense survey from the dune all the way down to the water edge. Like uh, we, we always pick the low tide and try to reoccupy the every every week, every week. We, we, our plan is we will extend this to the winter, like maybe one in the November, another one in December. I have a hypothesis because given the context of climate change and the global warming, the chance that we, our coast get hit by, continuously get hit by storm are considerably increasing, number one. Number two, we know that beaches naturally recover. That is true, but we are following the season of winter. We know that winter season is not forgiving. We always have large waves and uh, we, the beaches just con continues to get eroded. So given the fact the pre-existing beaches are already narrow, which get hit by the tropical storms, then followed by like a very intense winter storms, our beach is not in a good shape. So we are trying to document this. And uh, through documenting this, we can figure out uh, the mechanism and uh, also try to uh, uh, connect with the local town, provide uh, the data. And uh, we know that the, the already beach and the surrounding area will get beach nourishment. And uh, the, the data is valuable for Army Corps engineer and, and as well as local town. Thank you for listening to Urban Impact, a podcast produced by Kane, New Jersey's Urban Research University. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get podcasts. For more information, visit kane.edu forward slash urban impact. <laughs>